The Lord be with you. Good morning and welcome to our worship service here at IPC Zurich. We pray that whether this is the first time or whether this is the 100th time or whether this is the 1,000th time you've been here. And some of you maybe have been here 1,000 times. I'm not looking at anyone. I'm not looking at anyone. (laughs) Doesn't matter how many times you've been here. We pray that this worship service will be for you an encounter with the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please join me now in prayer as we prepare our hearts for worship. Let's pray. All holy God, you call us together to be your holy people. And so we join to give you praise today for the joy of our creation, for our redemption in Christ, and for the empowerment of your spirit. Gracious God, fill our hearts with your love and our lives with your glory as we come before you in worship and prayer this morning through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was all over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's New Testament reading comes from Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 to chapter 4, verse 3 and verse 10, and can be found on pages 967 to 968 of the Church Bibles. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and that moment heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, Tell these stones to become bread. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today, I want us to start off with a little bit of congregation participation. More than we just had. Sorry about that. I'll need you all to raise your hands. Who here has seen the movie Shrek? Probably most of us, right? It's kind of an icon. Okay. Who here has seen Shrek 2? Keep your hands up. All right. Wow, a lot. Who here has seen Shrek 3? Keep your hands up. Okay. And now to get to the hardcore fans, keep your hand up if you have seen Shrek 4. All right. We've got like four or five of you. Okay. Yeah. Did you all know that there is a Shrek 5 coming out. Amazing, right? In the pursuit of Shrek perfection, Shrek-fection, they are releasing a fifth Shrek movie. Who here, now that you know Shrek 5 is coming out, is gonna go see it? Anyone? 
All right, great, awesome. Not only does Shrek have many, many iterations, but so many other things in our society have countless new models, new makes, and new updates. The iPhone just came out with the iPhone 15. Windows for your computer is on Windows 11 now. There's three main versions of trams that drive through the Zurich streets, each one newer than the last. Each of these new makes, new updates, is supposed to be better than the last. Each new iteration is supposed to fix the mistakes of the last model or update and improve on the last one. It's supposed to get better. Now hold this thought about new models, new updates. We'll come back to it later, don't worry. I'm not trying to waste your life talking about Shrek, don't worry. Just a few weeks ago, we celebrated the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And today, we will talk about the event where Jesus' formal ministry begins. Jesus' baptism and his temptation in the desert that follows. And we are going to look at this passage in kind of a surprising way. We are going to look at how Jesus' baptism and temptation shows that Jesus is the new Adam and the last Adam. Jesus is the new Adam and the last Adam. Now you might be rightly thinking, what in the world does it mean that Jesus is the new Adam? And how in the world will our passage say this? And what in the world does Shrek 5 have to do with any of this, right? We will explore this today. This concept we'll learn about today is really beautiful. It shows the wonder and the power of our God. God is awesome, and his word in the Bible is awesome. Today, we are gonna look at different passages in our Bible that took place thousands of years apart from each other, that were written about over a thousand years apart, and we'll see how they work together in unison to give us this truth. So let's see together how Jesus is the new and last Adam and let's answer the question, why is that important and how do we respond? Let's pray as we get started. Lord, thank you for your words to us. Please speak to us through your words. Let us understand them and let us be able to put them into practice. In your name, Jesus, amen. Let's begin by looking at Jesus' baptism account. Let's read Matthew 3, 16 to 17 once more. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. God reveals himself to us in this passage in a striking way. He reveals himself as the father speaking, as the Holy Spirit descending like a dove over the water, and as Jesus the Son. And as we read this, it calls us back to another striking moment in biblical history where we see the Father speaking, the Holy Spirit over the water, and the Son of God, or as John in his gospel calls him, the Word of God. 
Can anyone remember this moment? This passage calls us back to the creation account in Genesis 1. The very first passage in our Bibles where the triune God creates the universe. Genesis 1, 1 through 3 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Here in this passage, we have God the Father speaking, we have the Holy Spirit over the water, and we have the Son of God, who again John identifies as the Word of God, through whom all things were made. In both of our accounts, we have the Father speaking, the Holy Spirit over the water, and the Son, the Word of God. Now we'll add one more similarity that's in these accounts, the most important one for us today. In the Genesis account, God creates the first human, a human man, Adam. And Adam was special in that he wasn't created from a man and a woman, right? He wasn't born as usual, but was created by God from the dust. So in a special sense, Adam has been called the son of God, the first human son made by God himself. Here in Matthew, we have an obvious parallel. Jesus, as we know, was also born in an unusual way, not from a man and a woman, but from God, from the Holy Spirit through Mary. And the father here speaks from heaven, giving Jesus a special status, calling Jesus his son, who he loves and who he is pleased with. Now, at this point, you might be thinking, okay, cool story, Nathan. Good job. You can finally read after 29 long years. Jesus' baptism does seem to parallel the creation account. But who cares? Why does this matter for us? In this baptism account, God is showing us that he is once again doing, creating something new. When God created in Genesis, he did something new. He created the universe and he created Adam and Eve. And from them comes humanity. And in Jesus' baptism account, which closely follows this, it seems that God is signaling that he once again, like in creation in Genesis, is doing and creating something new. He is beginning the process of new creation and new humanity. He's beginning the process of taking this broken, imperfect world and making it good once more. And he's beginning the process of taking sinful, broken humanity and making it new, making it whole again. And this new, whole humanity will not be through the son Adam this time, but through the one God here calls his son. It will be through Jesus. This is exciting. This is an exciting moment in history. In our next passage, the temptation of Jesus is going to continue these parallels and deepen our understanding. Let's read our next verses once more, immediately following Jesus' baptism in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Let's read this first verse once more. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's kind of weird, right? Not very expected. It's not that Jesus goes into the wilderness and just so happens to be tempted by the devil. It is that Jesus is baptized and then is led purposefully, it seems, by the spirit to be tempted by the devil. Why is that? I'm sure there's more than one reason for this, but I believe one of the main reasons this is placed here in Matthew's narrative is to continue the parallel between our passages to teach us something. We have Jesus' baptism, which mirrors God's creation account. Immediately following this is Jesus' temptation. Again, sound familiar to anyone? Looking back to the creation account in Genesis, God creates a human son, Adam, followed by a human daughter, Eve. And this account is followed by the famous story of Adam and Eve's temptation by the serpent. God created things good. Adam and Eve had a good relationship with God. They walk with him in the garden. They are made to be with God in his presence, in relationship with him forever. But a tempter comes and tempts them to eat the fruit God had forbidden from them. Tempts them to not put their trust in God. And as we all know, instead of trusting God, they fall into temptation. They listen to the snake. And from that point, humanity's good relationship with God is fractured. Humanity can no longer do what it was made for, to live with God in his presence, to be in that perfect relationship with him. This is a problem. Now, back to Jesus, following his baptism, this mirror of creation, he's led into the desert and is tempted just as Adam. The devil, the tempter, comes in a, in a thematic repeat of the creation account, tries to tempt Jesus away from following the Father, to tempt Jesus into separation from the Father. And here is where we see the great deviation from the story of Adam. Jesus, unlike Adam, does not fall into temptation. He does not make the same mistake as Adam, but he follows the Father. Matthew 4, 10 through 11 says, Jesus said, said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. These two accounts mirror each other closely, but in the end, they deviate starkly. Adam is tempted, rejects God, and experiences separation from God's presence. But Jesus, when tempted, follows the Father, rejects the devil, and maintains his relationship with the Father. All right, so we've compared our, par our parallel stories. Now let's flesh out a bit more our rich theological concepts for today. Jesus as the new Adam and Jesus as the last Adam. Let's firstly unpack what it means that Jesus is the new Adam. 
The first Adam disobeyed God, he failed, and consequently all of humanity after him has done the same. Because of our sin, we have not been able to live in God's presence or to have that relationship with him, to do what we were made to do. That's a problem. But where the first Adam failed, this passage shows us that Jesus succeeded. In Jesus' baptism, in this new creation account, we have Jesus come forward as the son of God, the new Adam. And Jesus is the true son of God, literally the person of the Trinity. And he does what the first Adam and then the rest of humanity could not do. Jesus does not reject the father in his temptation, but he follows the father and lives a perfect life. It doesn't stop there. Jesus, the new Adam, will go on to make up for what the original Adam has done. Jesus is the solution to the problem that Adam brought. Instead of bringing sin into the world, Jesus will bring forgiveness of sin, peace with God, harmony with God. Through his death and his resurrection, Jesus will offer forgiveness of sins and the healing of the relationship to God to all people. Now let's look way back to our introduction where we talked all about the new Shrek movies, the new iPhones, the new windows, the new trams. I told you it wouldn't be in vain. We talked about how each of these new makes, versions, or updates is supposed to fix the mistakes of the last model or update, improve on the last one. The iPhone 15 should improve on the iPhone 14. Shrek 5 should be better than Shrek 4, even though no one believes that, right? <laughs> They've gotten worse and worse. In this same vein, scripture points to Jesus as being the second Adam, as being the Adam 2.0, the one who comes after and solves the problems of the first Adam the one who comes and solves the problem of sin and separation from God that the first Adam brought. Jesus is the Adam 2.0. He is the new Adam. And this leads us into our second point. Jesus is the last Adam. In Jesus' refusal to fall into temptation in his faithfulness to God in the desert, he shows the pattern of his life. Jesus is perfect, and his work through his life, death, and resurrection is perfect. There won't be another who comes after Jesus to correct what Jesus has done, because there's nothing to correct. He's perfect, and his sacrifice on the cross is sufficient for all. He's not only the new Adam, the Adam 2.0, who has redeemed the world, but he is the last Adam. Unlike iPhones or Windows or trams, there won't be Adam 3, 4, 5, 10. Jesus is perfect. He is the new and he is the last Adam. The Apostle Paul makes this beautiful truth about Jesus crystal clear to us in his letters. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. 
For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ will all be made alive. Further, Paul in Romans 5 says, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. A man named Irenaeus, who was an ancient church father, describes this truth this way, approximately. Both Adam and Jesus went to a tree. Sin came through Adam disobeying God, going to the tree and taking the fruit. And from this one sin, sin enters humanity. And subsequently, all people. Adam going to the tree brought separation from God. But Jesus, the only one who did not sin, brings salvation to the world through his obedience to God. Also going to a tree, the cross. And he dies on that tree and through his death and resurrection is offered the forgiveness of sins to all people. Jesus going to the tree has brought forgiveness and relationship and harmony with God to us. Jesus is the new Adam and Jesus is the last Adam. So that was a lot. We are now gonna end talking about the importance of this and how we respond to it. The importance of this truth and how we respond. Jesus being the new and last Adam shows us God's amazing love. It shows us the truth that God does not give up on us. He does not abandon us. Poor Adam, he gets all the attention, right? Him and Eve, all the blame for being the first people to sin against God. They're the, the poster children for sin. But the reality is the world is a messed up place because each and every one of us live in it. Each of us bring our messed up ways into the world. Our relationships aren't perfect because we are a part of them. Our jobs aren't perfect because we are there. We show up every day, right? There's war and strife and hatred in our world. We humans bring these things. And God would be justified in leaving us to the consequences of our evil ways. God would be justified in letting us destroy ourselves and letting us live in separation from him forever. But God doesn't abandon us. He loves us so much. And in his love, he sent Jesus, the new and the last Adam, to undeservedly bring us back to himself, to die for us and to offer us forgiveness. Thanks be to God, the great arc of human history is not that of humanity's sin and God's just response of abandonment. The great arc of human history is that of God's overwhelming love for us. Humanity's sin and God's response of grace and self-sacrificing love. This truth about Jesus, about our God, is so important.
it's beautiful. Our God is wonderful. He is awesome. His love for us is, is, is honestly shocking, right? We cannot comprehend its vastness or its depth. So, how then should we respond to this truth, to this love? I think no matter who we are, no matter where we are at in our journey or in our belief with God, no matter if we're a child or a teenager, an adult, getting old, our response to this truth should be the same. Our response to this great truth should be to embrace Jesus, to go to him, to know him, to seek him, and ultimately to love him. Out of God's deep, deep love for us, Jesus has come to us. Let's allow God's love to draw us closer to him. Let's embrace him, accept him, follow him. Jesus tells us that the most important commandment, the most important thing that we can do in life is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The most important thing is not to have it all together. The most important thing is not to have all the knowledge. The most important thing is not to be the best. The most important thing is to embrace Jesus, to love him with everything you have because he loved you first. We are all born as children of the first Adam. We are all born imperfect as people with a broken relationship to God. But Jesus offers us new life. He tells us that we can be born again in him. We can be born again, not as children of the first Adam, but as children of the new Adam, as children of God. New life, a life of relationship and harmony with God is offered to us through Jesus. Let's go to him, let's embrace him, and let's love him with everything we have. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your great love for us. And Jesus, thank you for demonstrating your great, wonderful, awesome love for us. Thank you for being the new and the last Adam. Thank you for forgiving us our sins. Lord, help us to, as we go from here today to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In your name, Jesus, amen. Receive the benediction. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good word and deed this week. Go in peace.